Hayden Locke, President and CEO of Maramaca Copper. We're developing the, the really unique Maramaca Oxide project in northern Chile. Uh, it's a copper oxide project, very short timeline to delivery and really an, a standout in the copper development space in our view. Good to see you again. We saw each other quite recently. You were on a copper panel uh, with, with a couple of other folks on there and you mentioned something to me and I want to talk to you about it because you put out a report today uh, with the help of Wood McKenzie. What does it tell us? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's a, something that I've always thought about this project that is a, it, given the various benefits and the fact that it's an SXCW plant and where it's located, that it was always going to be uh, on a global scale, relatively low carbon intensity per tonne of refined copper produced. And uh, so we engaged Wood Mac as an industry expert to do uh, an analysis of our project using all the PEA inputs. And the conclusion validates our, our viewpoint that this is uh, potentially a very low carbon intensity project. And we can talk in detail about why we think that's important, but it really shows if we get the energy mix right, which we believe we should be able to do, that we should be right down in the bottom of the uh, carbon intensity curve for per tonne of refined copper produced. Yeah, no, I, I saw that. And I, I do want to talk about the detail because someone said to me last week, CEO said to me last week, they've done something um, similar. It reduced the cost of their money. So to me, I'm immediately attracted to that. But why did you do it? What do you expect to get out of it? What's the so what bit? Yeah, exactly the same mindset. What I found in the various mining projects that I've taken through permitting, and it's changed quite significantly over the last 10 years, is there is a heightened focus by the traditional lenders in this industry uh, on mining projects with a specific focus on sustainability. And obviously with where the world is going, you know, we're in the middle of COP26 here in the UK with where the world is going, uh, carbon intensity and carbon emissions become increasingly important. And we had a view that it's, uh, it's going to be a key diligence point for any financing institutions and financing partners that we engage with when we go to build this project. But it's, it's, it's got to be more than just a, like a, a science project for, for you guys and go, oh, look, we're, we're low carbon. The, what do you mean when you say the institutions looking at this will look favourably upon it? Why does it, for them, reduce the cost of uh, the money that they're going to provide you? What else can you use it for? How, you know, why does this put you above your peers um, well, if you look at the analysis, there are you know a, a pretty wide array of carbon intensities per tonne of refined copper produced across the industry. The reason it's important is all of the banks, traditional project financing banks, but also the institutions, and you're seeing it more and more in uh, the traditional money institutions, are really focusing on uh, your level of emissions. And they're saying in some cases, we won't even lend to you if you've got very high emissions. And so, you know, really, this is important. We believe it'll it'll um, translate into a lower financing cost for us, but I think more importantly than that is it's almost becoming a prerequisite now to have addressed these sorts of issues. If you are really going to finance a mining project, you have to have addressed sustainability, your environmental uh, frameworks, your engagement with stakeholders, and we see this as the next step in that framework. It hasn't been fully rolled out yet, but we see it. We're looking into the future and saying we think that this is going to become very important. And if we can address it before we get to the financing steps, then it's just going to make our life much easier when we when we go into the financing stage. So it may save you money when you go to raise money on, on the CapEx side of things. Does it make more think more does it make things more expensive for you in terms of being having to deliver in a certain way? No, that's the benefit of this uh, analysis has really shown us that we can connect to the uh, national electricity grid, which is what was proposed in our PEA. And all of the engagement that we've had with the energy producers in northern Chile uh, is that they can confidently say that when we do a PPA with them, a power purchase agreement with them, that they will be able to deliver us 
uh, electrons that are effectively coming from renewable sources. Um, so it doesn't change our approach. It just is a, is a real value add for us and another unique, um, uh, another unique point for this project, which already has so many unique aspects. Okay, you know, building in mind, it's tough, lots of moving parts. I want to make sure this isn't just another sort of box ticking exercise for, from a company, you know, makes nice headlines, nice PR, but doesn't actually translate into anything. You're telling me you, you potentially can get cheaper money as a result. You, it doesn't affect your, your operational costs. How else can you use this to your benefit and to your shareholders' benefits? Well, I think in the longer term and the strategy, and this is something that we covered off on our panel discussion is, you know, I think everybody's of the mind that there is going to be a carbon tax coming at some point. And those groups that can show and trace back and show that the carbon intensity of the product that they're delivering is at the low end of the spectrum, we believe it will translate into a premium product value. Uh, and so therefore it's going to be positive for our project. Now we can't quantify what that's going to be at this stage, but if you just run back of the envelope numbers and you say, okay, there are some copper companies or copper projects that are emitting six or eight tonnes of carbon per tonne of copper produced, and we're saying we're going to emit less than one tonne, uh, and you put a $200 a tonne copper uh, carbon intense carbon tax on that, it becomes a pretty meaningful premium that we should be able to achieve relative to some of these uh, more carbon intensive mining operations. So look, we can't quantify it yet, but we're looking to the future and saying, okay, we need to position ourselves for what we think might be coming. And we're hopeful that that will add value to us as a company. Okay. And obviously for companies like Wood uh, McKenzie, and there are a lot of companies out there doing the same thing, you know, selling this type of service um, to you guys, it's good news for them. But do you think it's going to become, well, almost mandatory, obligatory, de rigueur, however you want to frame it, for all companies to do this, which, at which point then... You can you can judge yourself in a, in a very different way. I mean, we saw they saw the chart in there in terms of uh, you know where where you sit bottom decile uh, potentially um, uh, with 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 the scope three emissions. Is that is is that going to be how we should measure companies going forward in terms of our investing? Well, I think it's absolutely one thing that you've got to consider because it talks to the executability of these projects. You know, if you're if you're looking at a project that has uh, a requirement to have a large coal-fired power plant sitting beside it in order to get into production, you would start to question, will that be achievable in the, in the new future that we're facing as a, as a mining industry? So, yeah, we think it's important. Um, is it massively important right now? Probably not, but this is really part of our strategic positioning of the, of the company as we move forward towards copper production. Right. And, and, and in terms of your credibility now, um, because it, one of the things we've always talked about is this project needs uh, scale, right? And, you, and you've always talked about, well, we think it's there and you started to prove that can be the case. Um, does, that does this report take into consideration the, the, the scaling up of what you're doing? Because obviously they would have started this a while ago before you knew the potential of the, of the project. Yeah, look, the, the, the benefit of this analysis, it shows that we can connect to the grid. So there will be no implications on whether or not we scale up this project at all by pursuing the strategy that we're pursuing. We can take the same or more energy from the national grid. The benefit is it comes from renewable sources uh, that, of which there are several developments up in the Atacama region that we could potentially do direct power purchase agreements with. Okay. And was, do you think this will also help you with, okay, we're probably straying into territory, but I didn't really intend to talk about today, which is given that you're starting to prove up what is, you know, quite a nice project, 
in the market now, there are other companies who are struggling a little bit, perhaps ripe for a bit of M&A activity. Is that now on the cards, if given the traction that you've managed to get over the past few months? Look, I think there is a definite, there's been a definite shift in the M&A uh, activity in the base metal space. I mean, we talked a little bit about it on our panel discussion. Uh, we also have a view internally that you know, we obviously have Greenstone as a significant uh, shareholder, majority shareholder in our company, who are a private equity fund that at some point will need to have a liquidity event. We believe that this uh, aspect of the project only improves the desirability of our project to large corporates, because as you see the announcements from Rio investing $7.5 billion dollars some big announcements and, you know, quite frankly, grilling of Mark Kudafani at Anglo-American on his scope one, two and three emissions. It is becoming an incredibly important aspect of the business development for these majors as they go forward. And it will limit some of the projects that they can buy if, they, if they're really rigid in their internal controls on that. And so as a result, logically, a project like Maramaka is going to be significantly more attractive because of that carbon intensity profile. What next? Well, we've got a lot of work going on the ground. We're infill drilling at the moment. Uh, we are most likely going to go to an infilling campaign on that those depth extensions that you talked about with the goal of putting out an updated resource next year. We've delayed the feasibility study because we want to make sure that we take the right scale into the feasibility study and we think that those drill results will change the scale of this project, which is obviously, as I always said, the one weakness of this project was that it's just not massive scale. It is still a very big project. Uh, and so really it's it's all all hands to the pumps to move the project towards that feasibility study kicking off next year. And then uh, in parallel with that, permitting, water connections, uh, obviously the electrical connections, doing all of that work so that we are putting ourselves in a position once we have the answer from the feasibility study to very quickly go into construction. Because, you know, as we discussed again on the panel, in the next three to four years, 2024, 2025, there's not very many new copper projects coming on and we, we believe it would be the perfect time to become a, the new copper producer uh, in Chile and, um, and, and globally. Okay, Hayden, I appreciate your time. I'm jumping on, on the call here. Uh, it's well, the, the report, McKenzie report, well worth a read. It asks the right questions and in your case answers uh, them as, as well for, for your project, for, but for retail investors, have a read, work out what's important and what's going to be important moving forward. Hayden, appreciate your time. Thanks, Matt.